I believe we are reaching the tipping point where cannabis will be legal in most of the of the northern hemisphere at least and uh, and that tipping, when that tipping point um, is achieved there is no no turning back people saw the experiment of 100 years of prohibition how it failed and now they will want to move forward this is the cannabis enigma cutting through the smoke to have informed serious conversations for regular people I'm Michael Schaefer Omerman. And I'm Alana Goldberg. Hey, Alana. So I hear we're talking about cannabis law today. Yeah, we are. Uh, this interview that we're about to listen to is with João Gamo. He's a Portuguese lawyer who specializes in international cannabis regulation. Right. So in the EU, especially, I imagine that it's kind of complicated. You have, you know, laws that apply to the whole EU, but each country has its own regulations and laws. So what what did you guys talk about? Yeah, I mean, you're totally right. It's complicated everywhere when it comes to cannabis. I hope we're getting to a point where there'll be some clarity, but it's complicated everywhere. Uh, we talked about hemp, obviously, um, massive regulatory issue, the difference between cannabis or marijuana or hemp. Um, so Joao helped to kind of clear up some of that um, misunderstanding in the interview. Um, and we also talked a lot about CBD products that are on the market. Well, I'm really interested to hear what that means for regular people and patients. Uh, let's hear it from Joao. Let's do it. Hi, Joao. Thanks for joining us here today. Hi, how are you? I'm great, thanks. Uh, so we're here at the Portugal Medical Conference. Um, we're right at the end of the conference and we've you know, heard a whole lot of really interesting lectures throughout the week. I just heard your lecture and I'd love for you to start off by telling us how did you get into the cannabis industry? Well, that's, um, that's a, a nice question. So I, um, I started, um, so I'm a lawyer mm-hmm. and I started as a tax lawyer. That was my my original work and also at university at academia i'm also teaching at academia and um five years ago i started my own law firm and i decided that i could uh, choose my clients Mm -hmm. for the first time and therefore i had a long interest on cannabis and cannabis regulation Mm -hmm. Um, we have in portugal a very forward-looking drug policy drugs um, laws from the 2000s and uh, i've always had that interest and even before on drug policy and um, we had uh, at the time um, some uh, poppy uh, authorizations uh, some opium Mm -hmm. cultivation sites in portugal that had been just authorized when i created the firm and i started well why don't I look at the cannabis space? There must be something out there in the world happening. And it was happening, of course, as right. you know. Uh, we are talking about 2014-15. It was starting to happen in Portugal as ideal uh, conditions. And um, we started looking at companies that were looking at Portugal or speaking with companies that could uh, see Portugal as a destination. And that's uh, then I started to study it and, and uh, for a, a legal... A scholar and uh, someone that really loves the law. It's an area of law uh, which uh, 
has many layers to it, so it's very complex. So we have the UN conventions, the criminal law, the narcotics law, the medicine law, mm-hmm. uh, also cultivation, etc. And all these um, all these areas interplay. And there was also, to be honest, no one around knowing a lot about it other than criminal lawyers that would defend drug dealers. Mm-hmm. And therefore, it was a space that was not taken. It was a space that was very complex, very beautiful in terms of interaction of laws. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was also a passion that I had for a long time. So I started studying and soon I, I, I became very immersed in the, in the drug policy debates in Portugal and abroad. I think uh, one place where the complexity is uh, particularly uh, clear at the moment is in the CBD space, um, both in terms of hemp-derived products and uh, cannabis-derived hemp products. Can you uh, kind of break those concepts apart for us a bit? Yeah, so the, um, to simplify it, we have a plant, and that plant has two, two paths. There's the high THC plant, mm-hmm. which usually is called cannabis or marijuana, yeah. and the hemp, which has lower THC more fiber but even if you go deep into this you see that this division is not very clear in terms of taxonomy and botanical Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, the more you read the more you see that also those areas of science are not yet clear but typically what countries tend to regulate differently is uh, uh, plants with a high with a th level that's above a certain limit and Mm -hmm. plants that are not uh, that are below this certain limit and the hemp used to be very traditional in europe was very traditional in portugal for many centuries Mm -hmm. there were even laws that forced uh, farmers and families to plant hemp for clothing for ropes for the for the ships that went around the world etc um, then it went down. The, when we joined the European Union in the beginning, there were even uh, public funding from the EU for the low or no THC plants. Mm-hmm. Then this, this cannabis craze started, and people looked again at what could be extracted from the other plants. And there's this uh, CBD, as you know, a part of a, a cannabinoid of the plant that has non-psychoactive effects, or at least doesn't have the traditionally psychoactive effects of THC, which is getting you high. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, therefore, people starting to see what uses can can be given to this. But the, the complexity here is that when the UN treaties that then, re- that then stem to the, to the national narcotics laws were written, uh, um, people, well, uh, Israel hasn't yet discovered which were the cannabinoids. So... Mm-hmm. And therefore, the plant was was listed uh, as such. The plant, mm-hmm. the flowering tops, the leaves, and no one knew that there were cannabinoids there or even the cannabinoid system in the humans. And they are still written like that, which means that when you want to uh, have an extract of the plant, which is a controlled substance, you either fall into the approved use, the industrial uses, or you are in the narcotics law. And what we see in these... Uh, CBD space all over the world. These companies trying to to enter a, a space, making claims of um, of uses for products, and mo- and some of them not wanting to abide by the rules of those areas of influence. Meaning, uh, the company is trying to create CBD products to treat seizures and not wanting to abide by the medical can, medical cannabis or even medical regulations. We have, uh, and then we have uh, another use for, for CBD, which is food and food-related stuff or food supplements, 
but in Europe, I don't know in other parts of the world, but in Europe we have the now since January 2019, the, the Novel Foods Catalog, which says that apart from seeds and all from seeds and flower from seeds, all CBD, CBD extracts, MP extracts uh, are considered a novel food, meaning they were not eaten in Europe um, uh, before or consistently eaten in Europe before 1997 when the, the regulation was, was out there and therefore companies need to apply for an authorization, need to prove, need to pr produce evidence that it's not toxic, that uh, which would be the intended use uh, for, for persons, meaning we, because it's a new food, consumers should be protected and as consumers should be protected for the substance to be listed, proof has to be done that it's not harmful for people. Mm -hmm. But here there's a catch, which is that um, normally if you ask for that authorization and you produce that evidence, you will not get any proprietary right or a patent uh, unless you apply for Article 26 of the, the regulation. You can have some protection for five years. But traditionally that's difficult to obtain, which means that the CBD space in Europe is waiting for some company to produce the evidence to make the big investment to get uh, CBD in the in the food catalog, knowing that once that happens, if Article 26 is not applied, a wave of um, thousands of companies and products will enter, uh, will free ride this effort and enter the space. So there's a lot of confusion um, because regulators feel that sometimes they may be fooled by companies or some companies even sell hemp flowers which taste and smell like cannabis as drug, narcotic drug, which creates, of course, social unease, social unrest. Mm -hmm. uh, the police, How will the police distinguish from a joint made with low THC hemp and high THC uh, cannabis? Mm -hmm. uh, they don't have a lab with all of them, so this creates a number of problems that make regulators and governments be weary of that. But the, the industry is moving, and it happened just a, a few days ago in the UK. The industry mu is moving, proposing regulations and uh, being proactive, uh, wanting to be regulated and proposing standards for all the products to be categorized differently, to have requirements differently so that they can hit the shelves and help patients and consumers. What does this mean for, for the products that end up on the shelves that are available for consumption uh, from a standardization perspective? Yeah, standardization is an issue. Uh, lots of studies have been done very, very recently in, uh, in Austria, in Czech Republic, uh, in Germany, uh, that show that or the products do not contain uh, any CBD, yeah. or they contain more THC than they should, mm -hmm. or they contain heavy metals uh, more than they can or they should. No one knows about if it's the flowers, about... Um, uh, about um, pesticides, yeah. etc. So uh, for consumers, of course, companies want to hit the shelf very quickly. But for consumers, that's not a good uh, a good way to go. And consistently, studies have shown that there are a lot of false claims in the CBD space, or uh, even uh, products that are not very very safe for for use. And one thing is, you get your CBD drops that will give you some kind of uh, of uh, I don't know, I have wellness or your skin uh, care. The other thing, even worse, is if we're moving into the medicinal space and you are using CBD to treat or prevent seizures or spasticity, MS spasticity, and that's even less admissible. So it's um, it's important for everyone to to wait 
sometime, but to have the products with the standard and quality that consumers and patients deserve and need. So what should consumers look for if they're buying products, let's say specifically within the EU, if they're buying CBD products, what can, what can people look for that can kind of give them some reassurance about what it is that they're actually buying and using? So they have to see if uh, medical cannabis uh, is regulated in their, in their, in their country. Mm-hmm. Tradition, typically, a CBD medical product would be treated as a, a medical cannabis product, meaning it has to have a special market authorization. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what what consumers have to look for if they are after something that's on the on the medical space. Mm-hmm. If they are on the on the food supplement space, because of this novel food regulation, it's very difficult to have uh, to have any CBD product that is uh, that is already that is legal or that is uh, regulated that can prove. Otherwise, uh, I don't see how that can happen and, until we have the the authorization under the the EU novel food catalog. Uh, of course, this does not apply to seeds, to hemp seeds, hemp seed oil, hemp seed flour, which were used before 1997 and can still be used. And that, that they will have to look for the authorization for food supplement or the, the, the related category in the country. Okay. Um, you mentioned, obviously, uh, medical use um, as being separate to, to wellness use. So, so talking about the medical uh, cannabis program specifically here in Portugal, uh, would you th- say that this is a good model uh, that other countries in Europe should be following or uh, are there issues with the model uh, at this point? Well, y- yes and no. Um, the, the, I'll tell you first the good part and then mm-hmm. what, what should be improved. The good part is that the Portuguese parliament produced very quickly but listening to all the interested parties, legislation, the legislation is out there. Um, the legislation is out there and it's regulated and it's very careful on the cultivation, extraction, etc. On that part for patients, that's, uh, that's the good part. Um, the other good part is that um, and the, the legislation provides that because this is new, the government will invest in education and resources for, for doctors to know how to prescribe, what to do. Uh, this is another thing. Uh, then the, the not-so-good part of the Portuguese legislation is that, um, unlike, for instance, Germany, I don't know how it is in Israel, but unlike Germany, we don't have an open clause for prescription. Mm-hmm. So unlike all other areas of medicine, where in Portugal any doctor can prescribe any any medicine. For medical cannabis, any doctor can prescribe it. We don't have special doctors, I think, like in Israel, for yeah. prescribing medical cannabis, but it can only prescribe if normal treatments uh, are not effective or are costly for the patient, as in Germany, but for specific conditions. Mm-hmm. And these conditions are still a closed list and they are very strict. There's one that's less strict and it's important. If we look at studies, patients are getting medical cannabis all over the world, mainly for pain and mental health space uh, conditions like anxiety, difficulty in sleeping, etc. We don't have that, but we have pain, neuropathic pain, written in a way that's not very clear, but that can help patients. The other, the other, um, the other conditions that are listed, fortunately, they are not very common, like Tourette syndrome or um, uh, terminally ill patients for for some some conditions, uh, Dravet syndrome and other syndromes from epilepsy for kids. So these conditions, it's very good that they are there. The medical cannabis movement was made also f- and mainly because of this kind of patients mm. but for a general access uh, our law is very restrictive 
Okay, and so what are the next steps? Uh, what kind of uh, changes in regulation will you predict happening in Portugal moving forward? For the medical space? Yeah. Okay, two things. The one thing is that um, the law states that Infarmed, the regulator, can add conditions to the list or can revise the list, can add or subtract, but can add. So yeah. that's one thing we see happening as doctors get more acquainted with it, saying, okay, I have lots of patients asking for this condition or et cetera. That can change when the uh, patient associations can propose that to Infarmed. That's one thing. And the other discussion we are going to have probably sooner than later is reimbursement. Mm. Uh, currently, it's not reimbursed, uh, so it will be very expensive for patients. Uh, but also, that's the way it goes in Portugal. A new medicine is typically not reimbursed in the beginning, and then they have the case has to be made for reimbursement. But mm -hmm. so that's the 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 next step for for medical cannabis. Okay, and and zooming out onto a kind of global scale, uh, there's been huge booms in the industry um, in the last few years. Where do you th see things moving from a, from a regulatory perspective? Well, I see adult use happening, uh, happening broadly all over the world in the next uh, two to three years. Mm -hmm. That's happening. It will happen in New Zealand, uh, U.S. states. Luxembourg is considering. Uh, uh, Holland is re revisiting its... Uh, its um, cannabis uh, program we hear things in happening in the uk in in france in, even in germany so i, I see europe uh, moving fast i see the us moving fast i see uh well uh, canberra act in australia just did it uh, new zealand probably passed the, the referendum to 2020 so i i believe we are reaching the tipping point where cannabis will be legal in most of the of the of the northern hemisphere at least and uh, and that tipping, when that tipping point um, is achieved there's no no turning back uh, i think there's too much there's had too much prohibition the harms of prohibition are now well known uh, and uh, the counterintuitive fact that uh, it's worse to forbid than to regulate it, it it's changing people saw the experiment of hundreds of prohibition how it failed and now they will want to move forward on a on a different scale uh, or at a different level on the regulatory level i believe that what's happening now it, both on the medical and on the adult use um sides of cannabis uh, will also uh, will also push for uh, international instruments that are not 100 years old like the un conventions in their framework they are very old but will have to regulate the the cannabis the cannabis trade and the cannabis access globally uh, for countries that decided to move forward there are many options to do this these countries can sit down and make a, a, a treaty but they also can use what is called an intersea agreement mm -hmm. uh, that's when parties of a, an existing treaty can agree different rules for themselves so this means that the countries that have either medical or adult use cannabis could sit down and negotiate a treaty that would be that would be coupled with the UN treaty that would be under the UN treaty, but that for cannabis would exclude and regulate differently both adult use or medical cannabis. This would, uh, would be able to create a global supply chain, mm -hmm. which is important to do under a treaty more than side-by-side uh, -side notifications. This would create uh, frameworks for, uh, for uh, diversion, for security, for uh, to to attain the primary goals of the treaties, but for this new reality of the 21st century cannabis. 
Really interesting. Thanks so much for being here with us today. And uh, it was great to talk with Thank you. Thank you. Likewise. I'm Michael Schaefer Omerman. This episode was edited by myself, produced by Alana Goldberg and Matan Whale, and our sound engineer was Yoav Morgard.